0: Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by rockauto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, Brian Robinson.
1: Hello and welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 247. It's my uh, incredible honor to be hosting today and attempting to fill in for the boss this week uh, who is otherwise engaged. So uh, my apologies in advance, but you're stuck with the B team this week. Along for the ride is senior executive producer, David Scribner.
2: Pleased to be here.
1: Uh, Our over-the-edge reporter, uh, Greg Carlos.
2: Hey, happy to be here as well.
1: And online content coordinator, Jessica Ray. Hey, guys. Now, uh, for those of you who are regular viewers or listeners, this week in January that we are recording this is the week that we are traditionally down in Savannah, Georgia for track testing at Roaming Road Raceway. I know I've been there every January since 1996. Scrib, I'm sure you've been a few more years than that, right?
0: I missed one for a childbirth, but I've been there for 33 years, I think. Uh
1: Um, So that's usually we have 10 or 12 track-worthy cars down there. We test them all week. Then February, March, and April are packed with some pretty exciting RTs. Uh, but this year, due to travel restrictions, we're not unable to make the trip. So uh, we'll have to find other ways to make the show more exciting in February,
2: March, and April. And it's a bummer, man. I was just thinking <laughs> about that the other day. We'd be what time is it now? Yeah, we'd be at the track probably starting roundies about now. And yeah, I'd, I'd Tires have half worn out my <laughs> teeth. My teeth would be all gunked up with sunflower seeds and. <laughs>
1: Script great, but I already said fast lap times and everything. Of course. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll have to find other ways to spice up the show, and uh, me as the writer, I'll have to come up with uh, some new material instead of recycling all of my old Roebling material. So. All right. That's beside the point. Uh, but I guess in honor of that, this week we're going to talk about some SUVs and a minivan. All right, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, uh, that's what people are buying these days. So, uh, yeah, we'll get right to it. The Land Rover Defender is back. Scrib, you had more time in it uh, than most of us, including I getting. Think no
0: time. one else drove it but me, right? We did. Uh, right. We spent a, a, a pretty sloppy day, as I recall, raining all day, off-roading it, which was great. You know, British hunting weather, I guess I call it. Um, I just left it in automatic mode for most of the time and and went through a bunch of sloppy, muddy fields and some rocky terrain and some ill descent stuff, and it it just like the road test just said this week, um, it's like a jag on the freeway. You're driving off-road, everything just soaks up the bumps, and it's just unstoppable, I think. Really impressive. Which,
2: en- which engine did we have?
0: We had the the larger of the engines, the V the inlines, inline or V6. Yeah,
2: in inline.
0: And plenty of pep for passing. I thought it was a great cruiser, great highway ride. Didn't feel tipsy or clumsy like some Range Rovers had 102 in the past. You know, feel top heavy. This was planted. I love the styling of it. The visibility was great. And off-roading was just a hoot.
1: So, yeah, the pricing starts around 50 grand, but you could spend 30 more than that easily. Uh, was it too much Range Rover or is it still, still a tough truck?
0: Oh, I think it's definitely in the, in the Land Rover realm. Um, it wasn't quite as, as luxo as the Range Rovers tend to be. Yeah, a little more utilitarian bent with the you know rubber floor mats and things like that. It just seemed like it was dedicated for off-roading or pretty fixed for off-roading more so than just on- on-road cruising.
2: And it was the 110 because they're also going to come out with the 90 here in uh, probably the end of the year. Four-door.
0: Yeah. Didn't have the rear jump seat option, I don't think, but I wouldn't have used it in any way. Yeah, they awesome also have- It was a great day despite the weather.
1: Yeah, apparently you can still get a, like a bench front seat with a fold-down center seat as well. I uh, just didn't have that. Uh, no, either. No, I, did not. I remember, yeah, I came in, I started a motorway right at the end of uh, the Fender when it, they stopped selling it here in the U.S. But I remember that we had a red and white 90. You remember that? There's yeah. On that, that.
0: And our, our camera guy drove a yellow 90 for a long time. Yeah. We, we did a 110 late in its life. I always, I kind of like them. I, I own two Range Rovers myself, the '93 uh, the model Range Rover.
2: So I, I'm kind of partial to the brand and the off-road abilities. I think they do a great how, job. How does it compare to like a, a Discovery? Like, is there going to be like in-brand like sales battle there? I mean, do you, are people definitely going to be I'm drawn sure to either like to Discovery
0: or brand? They'll do their own optioning and equipment and, and tune it. To various tastes so there will be some cross shopping sure won't be just as much as brand versus you know land rover versus range rover or defender versus discovery but, you know
2: it, it looks like if it's you have the receipt ca- as they say if you have the cash to spend it looks like you can actually outfit it to be a pretty serious camping companion it looks yeah. like you can get like the foldable you can only get the so the foldable uh ladder is like an eight hundred dollar option uh but to even get that option, I think you have to spend, like, another couple grand just to get to the level where you can add that on. So, I mean, if you if you want to spend that much money, I mean, it, it could be, like, a really serious camping buddy, uh, kind of like you saw with the uh, older Defenders. Yeah, so a rooftop tent-like thing? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and technically you're overlanding at that point. You're not really camping like right. this uh, right. right next to
2: uh, we'll put that on the list of the uh, right next to the supercar versus hypercar debate over landing versus camping.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, Jay Ray, what are your thoughts on the Defender?
3: I mean, I, I, I like it a lot. I think the look of it is, is good. Sometimes I feel like if I look at it from a, a certain angle, though, I almost feel like it might be a little too bubbly in a way. But yes.
2: Yes, you're right. I agree. <laughs>
3: like some aspects, like if you look at it, maybe like sometimes from like a, like a direct side profile, I'm like, wow, that looks really good. But sometimes if you look at it for like the three quarter from the front, I'm like, that, it's very curvy, but I, I almost think that the, dem- the way that it's, it looks, it almost looks better in the two door. Um, so I'm really excited uh, to see the two door in person, it's proportional um, yeah it, it looks it looks a little bit more proportional to to. It, yeah I'm also partial to the two-door because I own my Jeep is I knew it was
2: coming. I
1: knew it was <laughs> Better time. Better time.
0: <laughs> well my four-door wagoneer is <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the battle between me and Dave <laughs> the
0: grandfather of your little Jeep yeah.
3: <laughs> but,
1: well, yeah. but it is interesting they're bringing this back the uh, Bronco is back I mean, who's out there doing all this off-roading that we need all these uh, off-road vehicles?
0: I off-road Apparently millennials.
2: millennials.
1: <laughs> Ford's building off-road
3: parks, you know, uh, more off-road parks for people to go to. So as long as there are venues for people, I think, to do it, because unless you know somebody like how we know Dave and and we have a place to go off-road there, uh, at his brother's farm you know it's hard to be able to find a place unless you live near a somewhere that's public where you could go
0: you know or are making a destination for a road trip and people are doing more road trips these days they don't want to fly i like to do one myself sometimes <laughs> an off-roading road trip Sounds good like- point
1: and speaking of road trip vehicles we'll move on Uh, to something bigger and better well not necessarily better certainly bigger the Cadillac Escalade uh, based on the all-new Tahoe Suburban chassis which uh, went to the independent rear suspension last year Uh, bigger is it better Uh, Greg I know you spent some time in it recently
2: I'm gonna go and just get this right out of the way because it was my first impression so I kind of want to give everybody that same experience so I hop into the Escalade for the first time, having seen all the pictures in the video of this beautiful, uh, massive screen across the front, which covers from you know the driver's side door and makes it you know darn near to the passenger side door. Absolutely beautiful, um, crystal clear, functional. Uh, everything else in the front looks great, high tech. And then I look down to the shifter and it looks like Squidward's nose. It's the same shifter that we get in like an XT4 I, I just don't understand how you put so much effort into the just about everything from a style standpoint and then you just leave the shifter that's in every other Cadillac. I mean this is the crown jewel of Cadillac. So can you give me something a little bit better? That aside, I uh, really enjoyed driving it for the weekend. The switch to the independent rear does wonders. It's just, it feels great on the road. Um, it's just a massive vehicle, and we've been driving a lot of compact and subcompact crossovers. It's nice to get into something that has some size to it. So yeah, um, I
0: appreciate the leg room and the, the heft of it and all. Yep. I drove the other one we had, the, the two wheel drive, one hundred nine thousand dollar one. Price aside, I thought it was a great truck. Um, I, I'm a fan of the show of Tahoe and Suburban and and uh,
3: that one had the U-
0: over Yukon.
3: That one had uh, the. Did that one have the diesel engine in it? that esv
1: yeah yes. it, 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 it was the
0: diesel which so, yeah. jacked the price up of course too but i don't still don't see the two-wheel drive and those things it should be just like jessica said earlier to me uh should be standard four-wheel drive <laughs> unless you're in miami or running a limo company or something
1: <laughs> yeah that's the thing all the uh airport pickups and stuff and especially yeah in south and california yeah they don't need four-wheel drive
3: yeah i was yeah i was talking to dave earlier about this, but my mom was shopping for SUVs out in Arizona, and all she could find were two-wheel drive, uh, Tahoe's, Yukon's, everything was two-wheel drive. And then four-wheel drive had an additional premium, Um, and she spends part of her time out in Arizona and part of her time here on the East Coast. So I was like, there's no, well, she she was like, there's no reason why I'm gonna spend this amount of money if half the time the car is gonna be spent in a place where four-wheel drive is needed um so yeah especially when you're paying six figures for a vehicle it's hard to be like nope two-wheel drive
2: <laughs> so, so i i just turned 30 and i know some of you guys are gonna laugh particularly the <laughs> older guys here that was a um, good year i i i finally felt Old in a car because it had the rear seat entertainment. I have my almost two year old in the back. I'm like, oh, sweet. I'll go grab a DVD and we'll pop it in and she'll watch a DVD. And I, unless it's hidden really well, I didn't find a DVD player. It's all like USB C uh, thumb drive plugins and HD. And I'm like, conflab it. They can't just give me a DVD player.
0: <laughs> I'll sell you a VHS TV if you want.
2: <laughs> oh, God.
3: Well, that well, that you know, I think one of the most impressive things about the all of the the full size uh, GM SUVs is just how much room in interior wise they managed to squeeze out. Um, I know that the it, it is slightly all of them are slightly longer. Uh, I think the Escalade itself they said it's eight inches longer, um, but they managed to get ten more inches of leg room in that third row. And a lot of people who are buying these, whether it's for fleet purposes, you know, a rental car or whatever, they load people up in these things, you know, even adults. So uh, I think that is probably a, a really big, important selling point to a lot of families.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of a uh, maximum amount of space inside, uh, thanks for setting me up for that transition there. Uh, we'll move on to our next vehicle, the Toyota Sienna. Uh, yeah, baby, all hybrid power, uh, still, uh, all wheel drive available, but now it's, uh, not a mechanical setup, all electronic, uh, similar to Highlander and RAV4 hybrids. And, uh, yeah, with SUVs becoming more like minivans and minivans becoming more like SUVs, uh, I'm not really sure, uh, What's going on? Who wants to chime in on the uh stienna first?
0: Yeah, we didn't oh, okay. test the all-wheel drive version. I think we had a obviously the front driver and the, the tires on it were we got stuck in the grass in the back yard, I think at the office. Oh,
1: I did not hear that story.
0: No, I had to pull someone out with my Jeep, my manly Jeep. <laughs> 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 yeah, the um
2: yeah. I, I I spent a fair amount of time in that one as well. Um, since we were just talking about how nice it was to drive the, the big Escalade, it's, it's still nice to drive a big Sienna. I mean, you, you have a ton of space in there. Uh, it's just easier to access. I mean, if you can put up with the, the lame, I'm using air quotes, minivan aura, you know, there's a lot of useful space in there. You don't have to like throw your groceries up into the back um the sienna never offered um seats that folded into the floor i don't i don't believe they did
1: that's correct that was a strictly chrysler thing they but you could remove them i don't even think you can remove them anymore at least not the captains that we had in maybe the bench you can i'm not sure
2: i didn't play with them too much but either way i mean that that's a let's say you could remove them it's a pain so chrysler kind of had that figured out but now they're even moving to they've got the plug-in hybrid which now you lose that capability of putting those seats in the floor, which, you know, the, the Sienna doesn't have um, So you know, back to that whole thing, uh, but still a, a really nice vehicle to drive around. It is a, it is a hybrid, but I would say most people, and especially Toyota buyers probably won't even care or even notice.
3: Yeah. I mean, they did, I was sort of in some of the, we have virtual information sessions uh, nowadays when, when automakers want to uh, talk to us about a vehicle launch. And I mean, Toyota did a lot of uh, surveying uh, when it came to moving to this all hybrid powertrain. And it they, they said it wasn't a hard leap for people to, or, or to make uh, or to even, you know, once they sort of got over it and they saw the vehicle for what it was, uh, a lot of the maybe negative uh aspects that some people think of with when it comes to hybrids sort of goes to the back of your mind and then you see that the vehicle for what it is um i mean i drove it and it's i mean it's it's not exactly thrilling but it's a minivan but it's certainly peppy enough um we've always enjoyed toyota's hybrid powertrains um so it 36 miles per gallon that's a pretty big deal especially because uh I know that when I I went to the gas pump yesterday and and prices are will slowly eke back up to a point where, you know, you're gonna want the most fuel efficient vehicle. We'll see three dollar a gallon gas again. It's mm-hmm. gonna happen. It's inevitable. Um, <laughs> so uh, and you know, like Greg said, you know, minivans get get some get some hate a little bit, and a lot of people look toward those SUVs, uh, but you can't deny the utility of a minivan, especially yeah, I, if-
0: I own five SUVs and I've never owned a minivan in my life, but I, I certainly do appreciate the cargo capacity, loading, unloading kids even into the seats. It's just the access door is so much bigger on the sides and you can't beat the cargo space.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, not only is the access bigger, you don't have to worry about kids banging into other cars with the slider. That's always uh, been a cool thing about minivans, yeah. uh, but- you do get no respect on the road. I will say that people like <laughs> you can see people they're waiting to pull out and then they see a minivan and like, oh, I, I can pull out right in front of this guy. Yeah. And it happens all the time. It really does. Well, I think, you know, I think...
3: They're making them they're trying to make them more attractive, to be fair. And one thing I'm looking forward to is seeing the new Kia uh, Sedona, I, as long as they keep Sedona, that yeah. name. I, I, th- there's been rumors they're not going to keep that name, but we'll use that for all intents and purposes, but they, the new, the new generation of Sedona looks to be more, look more like an SUV, but still has the functionality of a minivan.
2: They did that with, with the last one and it was yeah. eh, kind of, but you know, a minivan is going to be a minivan, but I think it's fair to, uh, for anybody who's concerned about the reliability of hybrid systems. Um, I think it's important to mention that Toyota does offer a pretty good warranty on it. So it's a, The ten year, one hundred and fifty thousand mile for the hybrid battery, and then for the whole system, it's eight years, one hundred thousand miles. So that should alleviate some of the concern if if that's what you're worried about.
1: Yeah, I think if anybody they've got the whole hybrid thing uh, figured out, I wouldn't be uh, worried about that at all. All right, time to move on to the lightning round. Um, Hold up. Check my uh, cheek. I can actually got read the to make sure I get it right here. <laughs> um, all right. 30 seconds on this topic. The 2021 North American International Auto Show set for June, uh, which was new this year uh, out of its uh, traditional January spot, um, has officially been canceled due to COVID-19 concerns, uh, but show officials announced an outdoor auto-centric event called Motor Bella. Will take place at the M1 Concourse in Pontiac, Michigan, in September. Uh, this will allow for 1.6 million square feet of dynamic vehicle testing and technology display space. Uh, so, do we think this is a one-time thing, or the new future of auto shows? Who wants uh, to go I, first?
0: I could see it taking off in a different venue, maybe I, I, as our. I re- my research indicates that this is a basically a test track or a club of a club track uh, for members only. I don't think they have the the people space or the, the display space to put static car display. It's great to give people rides, but you're going to give how many rides you're going to give in a couple of days of a car show run. I know like the SEMA show, they have little parking lot demos set up, but most of the shows focused indoors on visiting the booths and things and the, you know, the, demonstration ride is a small part of it and you can't get but a fraction of the crowd through that and most of the guys going to the auto show want to sit in the minivan seats and get the tires and see if the mirrors fit them and
1: feel the shoot knobs you
0: you want to sit in the cars and i think the demonstration ride is great but too limited Uh,
2: yeah i've actually been to the m1 concourse and it is a big area but um once you start putting cars in there and booths it you know, it goes away quickly. It it shrinks. Yeah. Yeah, So for the major auto shows like in LA and, you know, overseas and Frankfurt, like you you just don't have the space to do this kind of stuff. You won't be able to do these long, you know, the tours, they do have the space. So like, if they can cut down the amount of vehicles that are there, they can take advantage of actually being able to go on the track, which is pretty sweet track. It's, it's fairly new. Uh, They even have some off-road area, apparently that they're, they're building for it. So I think it's like you said, Dave, it's, it's good in this unique situation, but ultimately I think they'd rather just have people sitting in their cars and looking at them and like having more of them there rather than just driving them around in them, the the manufacturers that is more impressions for the money. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, it's going to take, I think a couple of years for the auto show crowd to recover because even, you know, I say this time next year, even if it is safe for people to mill about an auto show, uh, there might be a lot of apprehensive people who who don't want to go because we all know when the the when the general admission is um, you know allowed, it's there's a lot of people there. It's it's there's a lot of folks, so um, some people might not want to go, and we already have seen sort of the auto show we've talked about the auto show sort of dying a little bit. Uh, a lot of manufacturers not even participating in a lot of them. Uh, so it, it certainly will be interesting to see where they go after COVID. I don't know that this outdoor venue is exactly the answer, but who knows? Maybe somebody, it just depends on, I guess, how it goes and, and
0: what they, they learn from it for now.
3: Right.
1: Yeah. yeah Everybody's trying to just figure out how to get through all this. Uh, I think we've learned we don't really need all shows, but uh, we do miss them, and I think they have a purpose. And uh, I think there's so many things that go on behind the scenes that aren't, like, public auto show things. And these are big international corporations, and, uh, you know, all their corporate heads come in, and, and they have meetings together. They have planning meetings with, uh, you know, different department heads. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes in all their shows. That I'm not sure could be replicated um, as easily, but um, I I sure miss going to them uh, as much as I dread it. Sometimes when you're actually there, you get caught up in the excitement. Uh, you see people you haven't seen in a while, and uh, they are pretty uh, they are yeah. pretty cool things.
0: I mean, we're doing press days though; they aren't as crowded as the. Uh, if you go to Chicago Auto Show on press day, there's twenty thousand people, and opening day there's a hundred thousand. It's elbow to
2: elbow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I want to go with robinson one more time we went to frankfurt together one time had a good had a good time we'll we'll leave it at that
1: yeah and oh yeah yeah yeah, we
2: should leave it at that
1: all right uh we'll move on to our question um
2: this was so let me preface this one because all right uh so george went on for a little bit longer in his email to us it was kind of a rant that he went on about um car colors because he's a cyclist And there has, essentially, since cars and bicycles have been on the same roads, there have been fights between (laughs) different sex who's bicyclists and uh, drivers. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there and say that this was more of a rant, but it turned into a question. Okay, here we go.
1: Uh, Yeah, George is a longtime listener uh, and a viewer, I hope, as well, and a cyclist and a driver. Wait, is this uh, from Dersow? No, (laughs) no, uh, from George. Uh, as both, uh, I have issues with the current range of popular car colors and the lack of automatic running lights. So two questions. Why is gray so popular? And do you think mandatory running lights deserve another look?
0: They aren't mandatory right now?
2: Or does he not want them?
1: No,
2: I don't think they I, are mandatory right yeah. now. I think but we they're were
1: headed that way and then we got sidetracked Mm -hmm. Uh, because there were some studies that said they weren't as effective as some people uh, thought they were
2: yeah he so george had actually mentioned that he was very well researched so that's exactly the case they found that there was no real link to having automatic headlights or um, daytime running lights and safety so they kind of forgot about it but i will say most cars that we get have them the real issue the real the real issue is is um and this is kind of getting sidetracked is If you have them turned off, if you turn the headlights off, you're used to turning your lights off in a car that doesn't have automatic headlights. You can turn them completely off, then your daytime runners are gone, and you might be driving in a time where you should have lights on and you don't. So that's another argument for another day. As far as car colors. That's
1: that's the biggest issue is, I mean, you see it every time I'm on the Baltimore Beltway at night, you see cars driving uh, with no lights on because they're Daytime runners, they can see fine, but there's no taillights on Mm -hmm. and no one else can see them. So I think that's part of the problem, which they could certainly address. uh,
3: I feel um, like that's easy. Uh, That's an easy thing to address, too, because all you need to do is have like a notification on your dashboard. How many other
1: things you get notified
3: from? You know, it's like
1: it's
0: dark and your lights are off more. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, But notifications are easy to ignore. I mean, I'm sure there are notifications. A lot of cars
2: i like what dave said just have a if they have a, a rear seat reminder in like gm products that dings it should have a letter or a, a voice come on and say hey idiot turn on your headlights
1: if i had to choose what? the two i would much prefer that than the rear seat
2: reminder which uh, gets annoying, <laughs> yeah, annoying, annoying. wow but uh, what does
0: with it? the car colors is the, yeah. the bicycles can't too, see the gray too,
2: too many grays and i think he's not wrong i don't know if we have any data to back that up but a lot of the cars we get are of the gray scale and i don't know why i can tell I you that I...
0: manufacturers pick our cars for, for photography
2: yeah
3: well i mean that's the there's four the four most popular colors i did i did a little bit of research we... Four most popular colors are white black gray and silver so yeah. all neutral colors. The white and
2: black are always popular right i yes. like to imagine
3: I mean, in, especially in hot places, white is, I mean, Florida, Arizona, uh, they sell white cars like nobody's business there. Um, Here, I mean, people don't really, I mean, people still buy white cars, but they just show dirt. And uh, so that's why gray is very popular because it doesn't show dirt and people buy these popular vehicle colors because they're usually what the manufacturer or, or what an automaker has on the lot on a dealer lot because they know they're gonna sell them because of the popular colors. Um, and they also have good resale values as well. And also sometimes the cooler, funkier colors are at a premium, like you have to pay more for them. A lot of people don't wanna do that. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, they want to be able to charge that premium. Oh, if you want a cool color, yeah, you're gonna to have to kick in a little money. And then also not, you know, everyone, Not everyone likes bright green car, you know, and when you get a resale, you know, you may like that, but you know, is someone else gonna like that?
3: Yeah, and and I remember growing up, red was always my favorite color. So I was like, I'm gonna get a red car. And my parents were like, no, you cannot get a red car. You're not gonna get a red car because that's the first thing the police see if you're speeding. Insurance
2: premiums go up. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I I bought red cars for my kids, they could be seen. Orange and red, and I want people to see my kid driving down the road. They speed is their problem,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, what color is your Jeep, Jay Ray? Just so everyone knows,
3: um, it's silver, okay. Um, <laughs> you're part
2: of the problem, yeah. You're part of the
3: <laughs> listen, okay. But mostly people see the Jeep when it's well, coming you, around.
2: Don't you have that Maryland flag, uh, spare tire cover? I is actually, that you?
3: yeah, I did used to, I used That's to have it. Colorful. I used to have it, but then I took it off because it faded a lot and looked really ugly. And then when I was taking it off, I couldn't, there were so many leaves under inside of it and it was so tangled, I had to literally cut it with the scissors. And I thought to myself, you know, if I have to cut off the spare tire with a pair of scissors, then the, the spare tire is essentially useless for me if I ever wanted to actually use it, so.
1: That sounds like a topic for a golf and drive segment. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm sitting in Pat's studio right now. I'll talk to him when we're done.
1: <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, anybody have a rant or a rave this week?
0: Uh, yeah, I guess I'm sick and tired of fighting the car for the automatic high beams. I don't, yeah. I don't like to use them in the car is constantly flicking them on when I don't want them, and I got to turn them off. And there, there's a button somewhere, but usually by the time I'm already home.
2: Yeah, they're, um That's another like, and I a journalist thing we're like because we're not used to every car if you had the car it would be easier but yeah you're right it's just they're always in weird places uh I just don't think they're that great like sure it's I mean maybe it saves you once or twice but I don't know it just I don't think they're reactive enough and sometimes they're always like going on and off and people think you're flashing at them and it's just it, it causes more trouble than it's worth
1: so yeah some are better than others I think they've they're getting better um, a bigger problem I have, I don't really use my head high beams that often, but a lot of the automatic ones, when you turn, when you turn the high beams on, it waits until it thinks it's appropriate for you to then put them on. That doesn't come on automatically. You know, <laughs> I've seen, I'm seeing deer run across the road or whatever. I flick them on and then I got to wait uh, until it thinks it's appropriate. I think that's yeah. more frustrating.
0: Yeah. In charge here, or the car. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's funny because I feel like uh, headlights are a, a place that probably could use a lot of improvement. We get a lot of what well, we get, but I, I see there are complaints. Um, people are always asking about it. I know the uh, the IIHS, uh, they even updated their, you know, uh, for their top safety picks. You now have to have even better headlights across throughout your entire, you uh, all of the trims of a certain model vehicle. So they sort of were recognizing that headlights need to be better. I know we were talking about Shocker. automatic. automatic. <laughs> <laughs> because it was like, it was like, you know, they were giving the top safety pick to a vehicle, but the base model had poor headlights. That didn't, yeah, that, that doesn't make sense. You have to pay
0: for good headlights.
3: Exactly. And you sh- yeah, you should not have to pay for good headlights because it doesn't help you. It doesn't help Anybody who's driving around you at all, um, so we get a lot of uh, comments about it. So hopefully, this is just the first step in, in really improving headlights all around. I mean, I'd like to see headlights, you know, uh, not blind you as well. I'd like I'd love to see those because I I'll, I constantly get blinded. I remember when I used to drive a car, I was always blinded with LED headlights um, that were just aimed directly at me so uh yeah headlights not a
0: fan my kid had a, a headlight burn out he said i just used the high beams dad
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> everybody's flashing at me they say they love the headlights yeah. <laughs> all right that
1: sounds like a great time to uh wrap things up uh i just want to thank everyone for tuning in thank greg carlos for producing it uh bob uh, mixer for uh thinking up uh trying to talk us into doing this podcast for whatever reason, um, give a shout out to, uh, to all of the, uh, all the people behind the scenes at motor week, you know, with so many restrictions, uh, the fact that we've been able to keep rolling, uh, through all this, uh, is a real testament to the awesome videographers and test crew and editors that we have shout out to them. Uh, appreciate y'all for tuning in, for, uh, listening, uh, be sure to catch the show all the usual places and, uh, everything on the internet. Thanks for watching MotorWeek.
0: You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by rockauto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.